0: welcome to the topeka first assembly podcast we hope this message serves as an encouragement to you if you would like to support us financially you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving enjoy the podcast i pray that you guys are doing well and uh, if you're not today's a new day and then tomorrow will be a new day right uh, and sometimes we have to shift our focus a little bit, right? We have to kind of think about things uh, in a different way. And I want to bring you to a passage this morning. We're going to look over into the book of First Kings. So I'm going Old Testament on you. First Kings uh, chapter 19 is where we're going to be uh, looking at this morning. We'll get there in just a minute. Uh, but uh, I, I'm going to title this sermon, Quiet Voice on the Run. Uh, and so I, I've spoken to you from this passage before in the past, but I, have you ever known uh, how uh, someone who is simply just bold as a lion? That's just the way they are. They are a bold person, uh, and, and they may be directed. Nothing really ever backs them down. Yet when it comes down to it, once they're in a quiet place... Uh, They had to deal with the realities of who they are and what God wants for them. And so that can happen really to anybody, right? And the bold person doesn't have to be a, uh, you know, they don't have to be an extrovert or an introvert. They could be anything. And uh, the quiet place, though, is a place where there is power and there is grace. When we step into that place in connection with God, it's a place where God bursts the kind of boldness which he wants from us as his people so he can work that in our lives. And yet, some, sometimes people think uh, it's somebody, somebody is bold, and so they have everything together. Everything is good in their life and perfect. Uh, but being bold doesn't mean you're loud. It doesn't mean you're obnoxious. It doesn't, you know, doesn't mean those things. It's about bringing your story to others. It's bringing your story to others in the right kind of way, right? Right? Because, you know, we could be we could be uh, loud and obnoxious, but usually that doesn't really gain us too much, right? That just makes us loud and obnoxious. And so you have to be able to come to that place where you can share the truth of what God has done for you in your life. And so there's a guy I'm going to talk to you about. His name is Hugh. Hugh Latimer. He was from the 1500s. So this has been some, some years back. I think it was before I was born, and I don't think anybody else in here lived at that time. But... Anyway, so uh, so so Hugh Latimer, he was given the opportunity to preach in front of King uh, King Henry VIII. And so he's he's say, they're saying hey it's your time to preach and I don't know if you've been in Europe or not but I know when I've been in Europe I've seen some of the castles and and the chateaus and that and a lot of times like Louis the Fourteenth I've been to his in Versailles France and and in that place they have a big chapel right the king he's powerful so he can have his own church right so this is kind of the thing you're seeing. And so so Hugh Latimer is, he's speaking uh, in front of Henry VIII in his court. But if you have to know something about him, he was a womanizer, Henry VIII was, and he was really kind of a mess in different ways. And Henry was irritated by Hugh's bold sermon, and he ordered him, he said, you need to preach again. And you also need to apologize for this offense, because he offended the king, and so now he says, you need to do this all over, so next Sunday you're going to do the same thing, and then you're going to publicly apologize. And so I'm going to read to you just a short snippet of what Hugh Latimer says, but I'm going to kind of change it, because now you're looking at... King James English back at that time kind of thing. And so this is what uh, Hugh Latimer says. He says, Hugh Latimer, do you know whom you are speaking to? To the high and mighty monarch, the king, most excellent majesty, who can take away your life if you offend him. Therefore, pay attention that you don't say anything to displease him. But then consider it. Hugh, do you know from where you come from and whose message you are given? It's the great and mighty God who is all present and who sees all your ways and who is able to throw your soul into hell. So be sure to deliver your message faithfully. He's saying this right in front of King King Henry VIII. And And then he goes on and he preached the exact same sermon that he had preached the week before without apology and even with more, with more strength and more energy than he did before. So Vladimir, if you understand, he was in the time of, uh, uh, of the uh, Reformation and some serious things were happening. And uh, you can look him up for yourself and see he did lose his life at one point because he stood his ground on being honest and knowing what the Scripture said. So, so he knew what was right, and he had to follow through with the message that the Lord had given to him. And, and I'm sure that his boldness didn't simply become, uh, come from his personality or his wit, the things that he said and did. Uh, and, uh, but, but it must have come from that quiet place with God. So in other words, he spent some time with God. He allowed the word of God to speak into his life. And then from there, he spoke from what God had given him. It was a place where he personally allowed God's word to speak into his life. It's a place where in the quiet, he allowed the Lord to guide him as an individual, as a a person. And we all need to find those place. We all need to have that place in our life. And really, every follower of Jesus needs that. So if we get to kings chapter 19 there we we find that we find Elijah there here in the old testament and it, it, he seems to be a bold prophet who wasn't afraid of confrontation yet behind the scenes this guy really is like everybody else and uh, and so he, uh, he he had fears he had hopes and he had dreams if you really read the scripture you can kind of see some of that coming through he wanted to be cared for, yet the reality that God had called him to speak to a very broken world got to him at times, and it bothered him. And likewise, we understand for all of us in the world that we live, it should challenge us at times when we see injustice or unholiness or crazy things that we see in this world. But his hope was for God's people to make the choice to follow God wholeheartedly, and to set aside all the other stuff that had kind of pulled them away in their culture, they had some really big issues there. And Elijah was—he was a compassionate man who, with a heavy amount of faith, told a widow who was next to starvation with her kid. He says to her, "You know, uh, uh, why don't you?" And she was going to make some of her last bread for, and then they were going to starve after that because they were in a drought. And, uh, and, and he says to her, well, why don't you make uh, a meal for me first, and then you guys can eat? <laughs> and you look at that, and some people would say, well, this dude, he is, he's all about himself. He doesn't really care uh, about her. But, but he was looking at it from an eye of faith, and he was saying, I know that God is wanting to do something in your life. And yes, he's going to bless me in at this point too, but, but he is going to work in your life. And, and she follows through. And God extends her oil and flour, keeping her and her family from starvation. So it, it, it kind of puts us in perspective here of kind of what Elijah walked through. And Elijah was not only compassionate, but he was also decisive and he was just. And, and, and as he followed the Old Testament law on a matter, a difficult matter of justice with the false prophets of his day. We have to understand, people may say, hey, this guy, he's crude, he's, he's rough. He was following what the rules said of the day, and he was bold, but he was human. And I think that most of us at some point can actually put ourselves in the same position as where he's at. You say, well, Pastor Mike, I'm not bold. I'm not, I'm not like that. Well, maybe, maybe not, but maybe so. And there's going to be times where we're called on to be bold, and maybe it's bold for us. You know, other people may not see it as bold, but it may be bold for us, right? It's possible that you may not see yourself that way, yet healthy boldness comes from within. And I said healthy boldness. It's something that's good. And like I said, not necessarily being loud or obnoxious means that we're bold, right? That's different. Anybody can be like that, but... But this kind of thing rarely has much benefit. But there's a there's an inner boldness that comes from relationship with the Lord. It's that interaction with Him. It's that it's that knowing. It's reading the Scripture. It's allowing the Spirit to speak into our lives. It has an effect on our life, and, and there's that boldness that comes from that. Just like the old preacher uh, Hugh Latimer from England, what he did that day, he he uh, mo- a lot of people would have said he was crazy, because he's going right up against the very King and. and we don't know what it is to be a king in some sense, right, in our country. We don't get that in some ways. At least it's not normal for us. But some places, when it's the king rules, the king, whatever they say, goes. It doesn't matter what anybody says. And so it put, he put his life on the line, but he knew who really held his life in his hands. He understood that. And that's that's a perspective that you and I need. And in these days we still have the call to be a witness of, of the truth of Jesus Christ to the world that we live in, right? We're all called to be a witness of Christ. It's not just the preacher, the pastor, the prophet. It's all of us as followers of Jesus. And it doesn't always put us in an easy position. Yet when you, you find the quiet place and allow God to speak into your life, it can help you to do what he asks you to do, whether it's to share your testimony of faith in the marketplace and the world around you, or to a to an acquaintance maybe that you've met, or to somebody that's a neighbor that you know well. See, Elijah he he was a, he was a man of faith and a man of action. Even James says that faith without works is dead in the New Testament. I'm sure that Elijah would probably probably say Amen to James' New Testament words. And Elijah was a man who may say, get her done. You know, he may, he's one of those guys, he's like, don't hold back, let's just go and do this stuff and be done with it and move forward. I, that's just the kind of person Elijah was. But, but the truth was, he had a message to share because God had placed him in this position to speak into Israel's world somewhere around 800 years before Jesus. So what's, what's the big deal? Well... If you understand, about 9, about 931 B.C., just a hundred and some years before that, Israel split up. Israel split into two different nations. You had Israel in the north and you had Judah in the south. And they, they totally split up. God said it was going to happen because Israel had really messed up and they had started worshiping these other gods and all this kind of stuff. And so they're, they're, they're broke up into two pieces and you have these two different places. And in Israel, uh, up in the north, they, had, they got a new capital, right? It was Samaria. And Samaria was the place where they mixed up their religion and it was a mess. And it was, it was a, an affront to God himself. But then in, in uh, Judah, you have them, they had their capital in Jerusalem, and uh, so we find out the Israel in the north, the the northern kingdoms, they they were just unfaithful to God. And so guess where Elijah got to preach. He got to preach in the north, right? He got to preach amongst all the mess that was there in that time. and there, But there was a remnant of believers. There were a remnant of those people who chose to follow the Lord, and they weren't going to stop. And for those who served the Lord, Elijah was a preacher they admired. But for those who were driven by everything else, he was a pinched sciatic nerve. That, that, that's what he was for them. He was a pin. a lot of us kind of know what that is. That pin sciatic nerve and it goes pain all the way down both of your legs down to your feet. It is not a nice thing, right? But that is what Elijah was to them. Could, could you imagine what that was like? you got, you just see on his face, pen sciatic nerve as he comes up to you. Uh, I mean, that, that just wouldn't be nice at all. He, he uh, yeah, it was a problem. I uh, this this guy Elijah he was he was a man who loved the Lord and, and he was going to serve the Lord and he was going to follow the Lord. He wasn't going to give up. And we find that uh, he would be he would have he would have been kind of like the people uh, like Henry VIII who had told them what they could or couldn't preach right? He faced he would have faced that kind of problems. and since Elijah was such a man of action, like kind of like the Apostle Peter in the New Testament, Sometimes his weakness was his, his ability to act in fear, right? His weakness was ability to act in fear. But then his strength was his ability to act in faith. Both of those guys are really similar if you, if you look at both of their lives. And uh, you look at this, you consider Peter. Peter was quick to say, Jesus, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's like, I, I know who you are. I know that he was quick to say that, but it didn't take him very long when Peter was quick to say, I don't even know him. They were both quick on their feet, and they had some answers, right? They, they both had some challenges. For, for some here, you're more like Elijah or Peter, for others, maybe that's not your personality, maybe that's not your makeup. Everybody's a little bit different, right? But there are times in our lives when, when God's going to speak to our lives, and that happens with every follower of Jesus, and we have to be willing to be bold but be kind, right? There's something that each of us can learn from Elijah in his experience on the run, because he's a runner. And because we find that God put Elijah in a quiet place where he could listen. He was a, he was a quiet voice on the run. So let's jump into the scripture. You say, well, how long has it taken you to get to that? Well, we're going to get to it, right? Okay, we're going to look at it here. Let's jump into some of what's happening with Elijah in in 1 Kings chapter 19 here. And we have King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, the king and queen of Israel, the northern kingdom called Israel, who had uh, seemed to completely turn away from God to follow false gods. And this is what it says in verse 1 here. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Now we understand, those were the, those were the false prophets and Elijah was asking uh, or acting according to the law. And so verse 2 says, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that as one of them. Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid and he ran. That's what the scripture says in the first part of, of verse 3 there. He, he ran, he took off. So we know that Elijah's been bold, right? He's been bold, uh, but he's afraid and he ran for his life. He's bold, but he, but he ran. And, and he, he was human and he struggled with the realities that he needed to deal with. And to have Jezebel, this evil, unbelieving woman who swore that she would kill him by the next day, uh, running behind him, so, in, so to speak, or sending people after him, probably was a little bit unnerving. So not only did she not like what, what he preached, she wasn't even an Israel, Israelite. She was married into the family, uh, into the king's family, basically. I don't know if you, if you realize, but a, Ahab's dad was Omri, and Omri was a horrible King, but before Ahab, so he he got it from his dad, right? And this guy had cut a deal. His dad had cut a deal with the king of Sidon, which included Ahab's marriage to this idol-worshipping woman named Jezebel. And Ahab had introduced uh, Baal or Baal, the, the god of Tyre, into uh, into Israel. And Ahab promoted and worshipped that idol. They promoted it. They pushed it. And, and it was a serious problem. But after God answered by that miraculous fire over in chapter 18, now Elijah, he is exhausted, he's worn out, he's discouraged because he's done everything the Lord has asked him to do, And, and now, but now he's on the run. Now, now uh, somebody's running after him and, and they vowed to take his life. What do you think you would have done in that situation? That's a question we could all ask ourselves. Some say, I'm going to stand firm, it wouldn't matter. I don't know. I don't know that we can really ever say that. We need to make that decision in advance. But we also have to understand that sometimes situations aren't as clean and clear cut as what they appear at times. So this is why you have to give God the opportunity to be able to speak into your life in the quiet place. Let's look there at verse 3 again as, go, as we go on here. In the latter part of it, it says, When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a, a broom bush and sat, uh, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. This guy was having a tough time. And then he says this, I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And he was just like, he was just all negative about the whole situation. And he needed to change his perspective. And then in verse 5 it says, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay, lay down again. So... Remember, this guy is, he's, he's. He's ran all the way from the situation where he was before, uh, and they're after him, and now now he's at this location. He's exhausted from it. He's just dealt with the 450 prophets of Baal and all that kind of stuff. And so here he is now. He's exhausted and needed to eat. Look at what verse 7 goes on to say. It says, The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you, because he's going to head out from here. The Lord sent him to another place. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into into a cave and spent the night. So he hung out in a cave. He's there out in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. Elijah, he's exhausted from his run. He's emotionally exhausted from dealing with these false prophets and from the aggressive and hateful, unbelieving king and and queen. His job is too much. And he's like, God, you know, I'm done with this. I'm finished with it. I don't want to handle this kind of thing anymore. And maybe you've been in that place in your life before. Maybe you've walked through some things in your life and you say, you know what, this is just too tough. I don't know if I want to keep walking that direction. But we have to understand that God has his back. And look, not only did he send angels to take care of him and to feed him. So he had what he needed so he can get past this rough spot. Because everybody have, has, uh, they will have rough spots in their lives, right? It's just a It's just a fact. Uh, and so maybe you felt like Elijah, you know, maybe you're getting ahead and all of a sudden the dishwasher breaks uh, and then, the, then you're moving past that and you say, well, well that's all good. And then, then you're driving in the middle of the night, you know, you're trying to get home and, and all of a sudden all the lights go out on your vehicle and you're like, am I going to hit a deer? Uh, or if I keep driving, are the police going to pull me over and notice because I don't have my lights on? And you're, you're, you're wondering about this, what's going What's going to happen? And so you say to yourself, I don't need this now. Have you ever said that before? I think we all have said that. God, I don't need this now. (laughs) Right? And the angel gave Elijah what he needed to make it to Mount Horeb. But I bet he didn't feel like it was enough. And maybe there's times in your life where you feel like it's not enough. God, you've provided, but it's not enough for me. Or I don't know if you can do this. And it's not enough. But, But God's saying, no, it is enough. And I am making a way for you, and it's not always easy. It's not always easy, is it? It's just part of living sometimes. You have to remember that God will God will always give you enough even when it doesn't feel like it. And you, you may be exhausted at times, but don't give up. It sure it sounds like Elijah wanted to, but, but what happened? God sent uh, some people into his life, uh, some angels into his life, technically, and they didn't tell him, Pat him on the head and say, you know what, Elijah, it's going to be okay. They didn't even tell him that. They're like, buddy, get up and eat. They just told him, you need to get up. In other words, you need to take care of these things so that you can keep moving forward. That's what they did. I think they were kind to him, but they were direct to him as well. And there may be times in your life when God sends somebody to you to tell you to get up and eat. Why? So you can make it to your next stop. He does that for us because we, we need that at times. You need to be able to remember your next stop will include a quiet place, too. Your next stop is going to be a place where you can sit back just a little bit and say, okay, God, what's happening here? That's for us as, as followers of Jesus. Uh, and so you, you may be running out of fear or even though you have been bold, but now you need to stop, you need to rest, you need to eat, and you need to listen. It's funny, sometimes one of the most spiritual things you can do is eat, right? You know, they have, a, they have all the, the hangry commercials, right? So they have this one guy on it, on he's, he's like a mean looking or something, they give him a Snickers bar and he eats that and he becomes like a nice docile person, right? Uh, and so I think sometimes that's the way it is for us. We need to be able to step back, relax a little bit, eat and be able to focus on the right things. We have to stop, rest, eat and listen. It's something we need to consider. This is not just for preachers. It's not just for pastors or prophets, as I've said. It's not just for those. This message is for every follower of Jesus because we all have a ministry. Ministry just simply means service, right? It's, It's we're servants of the Lord, each and every one of us. We're his servants. And so that we have to be able to get ourselves ready. We all have a place of service in the kingdom of God. And there will be times where you're called on by God to encourage or to speak into the life of another person, and it will require some inner boldness. You say, but Pastor, I, I'm not a bold person. You may not be, doesn't matter. You get that in the quiet place as you prepare your hearts and as you start putting your faith in the right person and the right thing. We put in your faith in the Lord Himself and not in all the other stuff, right? And we have to be able to focus on Him and allow Him to speak in and through our lives. Maybe you're called to give somebody a ham for Christmas. I don't know. And then, then sometimes what happens as pastors is quite interesting. Sometimes people will say, well, don't we need to do this as a church? Uh, uh, don't we need to do this kind of outreach or do this kind of thing? or so? And sometimes it's uh, the Lord is speaking to us as an individual. So maybe we say, hey, uh, should we do, give hams as a church? Well, maybe, maybe if that's in your heart, maybe it's something you need to do. That's why we pray. That's why we get in that place of, of prayer, and we talk to the Lord. We interact with Him. You may be called to do that. Maybe, maybe the Lord put it on your heart to go help with the rescue mission, uh, a great place to serve, and we've done it many times. There may be those who, uh, who sometimes when it, when it becomes difficult or, or, or you may be unsure, you, you get into a situation like this that you may want to run. Don't run. Unless you're running in the right direction, Right? Uh, we've got a race to run, but not run away. And we kind of see that's kind of what it appears like that that Elijah was doing a little bit. And so we have to be able to put our faith and our trust in the Lord. uh, For some... You aren't running because of fear or away from God. Maybe it's just you're running because that's the way life is, right? Sometimes life goes that way. It's busy and things are coming at you from the left and from the right. And and so you have to be able to slow down and listen and allow the Lord to speak into your life. And when you are running, don't forget to get back to the quiet place with God. And let his word speak into your life and crack the Bible open and let him speak through his word. Maybe pull up the app and let him speak, the Bible app, and and let him speak through his word there because he wants to speak into our lives. Maybe crack a good, solid devotional, let him speak into your life. We need him, friends. We need him. We need his presence. We need his grace. So let's look back at Elijah here. So Elijah makes it to Mount Horeb. He gets there and he's in a cave and he spends the night there and listen to what God ends up doing with him. Uh, At this point, he's going to teach this prophet a lesson. And Elijah, he's a doer, as we've said. And God has used him to enact some really powerful, miraculous interventions. Uh, It's just amazing what God has done through this guy's life. And, you know, he's not known throughout all Scripture. In other words, he's not mentioned a whole lot of times, but he is mentioned in key parts. And and so this guy doesn't seem to have a, a, a long, long time of ministry we don't know but he had to step out in some serious faith especially when he challenged the false prophets to a serious duel could you imagine that he gets up there and says okay guys this is what the deal is you false prophets uh so that's what i'm going to call it the way he said you 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 false prophets we're going to do something you set up your sacrifice you set up all your sacrifice and you call on your god and if he lights the fire on your, on your altar to burn up your sacrifice, uh, or to burn your sacrifice, then we know he's God, right? So go for it. And he let him do it. I think he's hanging back, and he's kind of laughing at him a little bit because he knew that there's no chance that their God is going to light the fire. And so then he says, okay, now that you guys are done and you don't have a fire, he said, I'm going to pray to the Lord and uh, the real God, and he's going to light the fire. And so he decides to do something different. He says, Okay, guys, get a bunch of water. And so they they dump it over all the sacrifice, they dump it over all the wood, they wet the wood. You know, last time I knew, when I've lit a wood fire, I don't normally pour water on it, I try to light it with fire. And so these guys pour all the water on it, they douse it down, and, and, uh, and then they pray, they did the sacrifice, and what happens? But the Lord sends the fire and lights the thing on his own. Nobody else did it. There wasn't pyrotechnics, you know, they didn't hit push a button and pyrotechnics lights the thing up. No, it's because the Lord lit it on his own. And not only did he light it, it burned up the whole thing, including the stones that was around it. Why? God did it. It was his thing. And Elijah got to be part of that. And Elijah had this, this faith that God was going to do this. This is, a, this is a great man, but on the other side of that, he had some weakness with it too. So he's a doer and God, God did something great for him. So let's look back here in 1 Kings 19, verse 9. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. This dude is down, discouraged, and depressed. And, and He was having a hard time managing at this point because his feelings had overtaken him, and we see it. And it's like he's saying, "Look, all I have, uh, all I've done, God, and where has it left me?" Could you you can imagine what he's walking through at that point? It's like, well, where where am I at at this point? And some of you may have even said that to yourself at times. You say, "Well, God, I've been faithful to you, this, that, and the other, and, and so now look at what's happening." Uh, but, uh, but then he says, I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. Uh, only, only part of that is true. I don't know if you get that, but if you look at this passage, only part of that is true. Yeah, they're trying to kill him. That was, we know that's true. Uh, but he says, I'm the only one left, uh, uh, and when our emotions and our feelings get in our way, and when we focus on the pain so much, it's like it prevents us from moving on. It prevents us from walking down the road that the Lord has for us. And Elijah said he was the only one left, but his short-term memory must have been ignored because we've already read earlier in the passage of some things that has happened. Just a short time before that, he knew Obadiah, who had a hundred prophets of the Lord in protective custody. He hit them off, and they had a conversation where Obadiah said in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 13, these words. He said, haven't you heard my Lord? He's speaking to Elijah. He said, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord... I hid 100 of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. So he already knew it. He knew that there were these, at least those were there. And uh, Elijah had let exhaustion, which led to fear and deep emotions to cause him to think everything was lost. But was it? It wasn't all lost, was it? No, it wasn't all lost. God had done something for him. And I dare to say some of you have probably thought the same thing before. You feel like, well, God, I don't know if you can do anything in my life because X and Y and Z and this and these other things. And sometimes we try to back God into a corner when the reality is is he's not in a corner at all. He's everywhere. (laughs) He's got it in his hands and he's, he's not worried. It's just sometimes that we can get worried if we're not careful. And, and so, and he's like, everything is lost, and so why even try? Uh, because God is still in control. That's why we try. Amen. That's why we continue to move on. That's why we scooped the, scoop the walk and tried to get out this morning, right? Get the snow off the road if all possible to make it here. Uh, and not everybody can do it, but, but for in the end of our passage, God tells Elijah something, and you can't forget this one, verse 18. He says it right there in chapter 19, verse 18. He said, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. He's talking about the northern kingdom, right? These guys that have totally walked away from God. I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to this false prophet and whose mouth has not kissed him. In other words, there's a bunch of people out there that say, you know what, God, I am still going to serve you. We are still serving you. doesn't matter what comes our way. We are still walking with you. And they are there, and they are here today. Don't let your fears and your weaknesses stop you from walking with Christ to the fullest. Because we live in challenging times. I don't think it's much different than what it was for these guys. Look at with me over in verse 11 of chapter 19. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. We know this passage, right? We know this. He says all the big noise, all the big stuff, the Lord wasn't there in that. And then after the wind uh, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake... Came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came it came a gentle whisper, or a still small voice. God not all God not always, or God does not always speak so clearly through these powerful and outstanding manifestations as He does through the quiet word to His people. Does he do the big things? Yes, he does the big things when he deems it's necessary. And, uh, but it, it, we got to look at this a little bit. It's translated in different scripture or different uh, translations differently, uh, where he says in the last part of verse 12, a gentle whisper here in the IV, uh, the King James calls it a still small voice. Uh, And uh, and in Hebrew, it may be called a thin, subdued sound, a thin or a fine, subdued sound. It's not quite the the low, murmuring sound, as some would translate it, but stillness can also be used uh, with the words for sound and voice. The New Revised Standard Version calls it a sound of sheer silence. I, I love that one. I think it's a good understanding Some people call it a sound of thin silence. It's it's an idiom. It's it's a saying that means complete silence. After all the noise. After after the earthquake and the wind and the fire and all this stuff, it's a small sound. And when, when God speaks to his people, he tends to speak in that quiet place. In the silence, and this is why it's so important to give him the place to speak into our lives. Let let his word speak as we break open the book or as we pull up the app for the Bible to be able to read and that the Lord would speak into our lives. Let the Spirit of God speak into our hearts as we open our hearts and allow him to minister to each and every one of us so that he can guide us and lead our lives because he has a plan for each and every one of us. Look at what he says here to Elijah for the second time. You see in verse 13, he says, When Elijah heard it, he he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's interesting. He doesn't do that after the fire comes. He doesn't do that when the, when the, the wind comes through, these gale force tremendous winds and the earthquake. He doesn't do it at that point, but he does it with this complete silence, this uh, sound of sheer silence when that comes through. He recognized that God was speaking. Sometimes it's in the silence, friends. When the storm and the earthquake and all the big stuff came, it didn't cause him to cover his face. It was just in that thin slice of silence. I have to ask, are you giving God that opportunity to speak in your life? And we know we do that as we come together. That's one of the things we do because the word of God speaks to us. God gives us his message and he's speaking into our lives. But there's another level to that at the first level he speaks to us through the word the scripture and that's the chief and the most important part in fact everything else must be and will be subject to the written word of god it has to be yet we we need to stay close enough to him as his people to let him speak into our lives as individuals as a person We need to allow Him to be able to do this. When we hear a prophetic message or a tongue and interpretation in service, it's inspiring and encouraging or even challenging. uh, But you need to be open to allowing uh, God to speak into your life in your own personal quiet place. Make room for Him. Just remember, make room for the Scripture, the Word of God, first because any message He gives will and must line up to the word of God. It's interesting that uh, that Elijah kind of kind of had the same complaint again in verse 14 here and when God spoke to him but the Lord just moved past it and gave him a, miss, a mission to fulfill. And sometimes God doesn't answer every complaint. Did you did you ever notice that sometimes he just doesn't. Even uh, even, even a good parent doesn't always answer every complaint because it's just not always necessary. And that's the way God handles things. It doesn't mean he doesn't love us. He loves us very much. And there are some some things to address, and there are some things we just move on. Sometimes God doesn't answer each one, but he wants us to be willing to grow and to serve even when we don't fully understand. That's why, as Scripture said, Paul said, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't understand it all, but God gives this guy, Elijah, a job to do, and then he tells him, you know what? You think you're the only one, but in fact I have 7,000 other prophets out there. 7,000 other people who they're ready uh, they're ready, and they will not bow to some false god out there. And he's like, son, you think you're alone, but you are far from being alone. The fact is uh, we're all in this together. That's where we are today. We're all in this together. We're all in it as we put our faith and we put our trust in the Lord, we're all in it together. We have to remember this because sometimes what happens to us is we think, you know what, I don't know how God, I'm like the only one stuck in this situation. Well, you may be you stuck in that situation, but there's a lot of other people like you that are stuck in similar situations. So we have to be careful as, uh, and don't allow the enemy of our soul to try to push us away and to separate us and to isolate us because isolation, isolation whether it's us doing it to ourselves or the enemy doing it, is one of the big enemy's things. That's the way he gets us to get out of the groove that God has for us. You know, where, where did the message of encouragement come to Elijah? It came from being in this thin slice of silence it came from stopping it came from resting and taking notice of what God was saying in this very difficult world and and I don't know but you have to be willing to stop rest and listen to that thin slice of silence in your life it's not all about the rah-rahs and the uh, and, and the big praises it's about sometimes those times where we say okay God here I am but you know, the problem with us is, especially as Americans, usually just as people in general, we don't want to be quiet. We do not want to be quiet because if we're quiet, we have to set back and really understand the reality of who we are and the things that we face. And so when we're with the Lord and we're quiet, we give Him the opportunity to work in our lives. And then He can help us to deal with those things Are you willing to stop? He was willing to encourage. God was willing to encourage, feed, and strengthen the prophet, and he's willing to encourage, strengthen, and feed us as well. You have to be willing to humble yourself and to listen to him once you have given him your complaint. We all have complaints, right? We all have complaints, and we're going to give them to the Lord. If we don't, we got a problem. We need to give those complaints to the Lord, right? We need to do that. But after we've done that, then we need to humble ourselves before him and say, God, I know you're God and I'm gonna trust you. And I'm gonna look to you and he will take care of you. And if he has to, he can send an angel your way to make sure that you have what you needed. Scripture teaches us that the angels are for the believer. They're for the, they're ministering uh, servants to minister to the needs of believers what the new testament says about it. so we had to recognize god is capable to do whatever is needed for us don't let the enemy of your soul prevent you from following the lord to the fullest because he will do everything he can to do that and sometimes we don't even need him to do that because we can do it to ourselves right if we're not careful we keep our minds on the wrong things and it pulls us down but I wanna challenge you this morning. God has called each and every one of us to serve him faithfully, and he's gonna back us. He's gonna be with us if we're willing to step out in faith and in trust. I wanna pray for you this morning, and I wanna challenge you to find that quiet place, and maybe this morning, this is the place you need to start that quiet place. Father, Father, we offer ourselves to you this morning father god we thank you for what you've done not only through the life of elijah and all that you've done there but father god he was just a general human being like the rest of us who says that you can't work through the rest of us lord we we understand that you are quite capable to do whatever is necessary as long as we humble ourselves before you and allow you to work and to do what you have us to do father god we we say lord here we are and we yield ourselves to you this morning And Father God, we ask you to help us to keep our hearts open for that quiet place, to be able to stop, to rest, to sit back and to eat if necessary, and then to listen and allow you to speak into our lives. Father, we've heard your word this morning. And Father, I pray that you would help us as we allow you to speak into our lives and as we allow you to work in our lives, may you continue to transform us. Because Lord, we don't want to be the same as what we have been in the past. Father, we know that you have a better plan for us than where we are at this point. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to become more like you. Jesus, more like you. Jesus, you are the one who laid everything down in our place. That you took our place to give us life and to forgive us of our sin. And we thank you for that. Help us to be also ones that are willing to lay ourselves down before you.